this reflection on the time you are investing, is it really the right business? Are you really investing your time in the right thing? Because I kind of look back and I'm like, man, the amount of hard work I put in the last 20 years as an entrepreneur, now I realize if you put it here, it gets you this much. If you put it here, it could have gotten you this much if you put it here. So it's like the whole perspective on scale. And, and I was thinking about it the other night, I was like, hey, this is literally what I was thinking about, not related to TEDx talk, but I was like, gosh, what is one message I could give to an entrepreneur 20 years ago getting started, like a young entrepreneur. And I'm like, dude, time. Like it's, it's, it's every hour you spend on a webinar or on a podcast or like every minute of your time, it's just freaking counts. Like what are you really diving into? What problem are you solving? How valuable is that problem? Branded signature talks. Okay, listen, you wanna be an entrepreneur, you wanna have influence, you wanna reach people, even if it's not as an entrepreneur. You wanna help change lives, you wanna help change the world? I hope the answer is yes. Today, our guest is gonna show you and teach you how to get a branded signature talk. Now, what do we mean? We, okay, TEDx talk. Okay, that's probably the most known uh, brand. So what could it do for you and your voice and your ability to impact the world, and of course, your own success, if you could be at Harvard on stage doing a talk, or if you could be on a TEDx event stage doing a talk, we're not only gonna talk about why you should do one, we're gonna talk about how to land a great talk today on this episode, so stay tuned. Now, welcome to the Onyx Singal Show. That's right, this is early. We just transitioned into the Onyx Singal Show, so I'm having a lot of fun with this. And today, we're talking to a guest who I've recently just met. And I gotta tell you, I'm very impressed with him. I'm very impressed with his mission, is probably one of the things that I took away very quickly. Um, he reached out to me mon many months ago and asked for me to be on his podcast. I gotta tell you, I typically say no. I don't really do a lot of interviews. I'm very protective over my time, but something about his approach and something about his profile that I saw on Facebook, I was like, you know what, I'll do this. And so as we got close to doing the talk, we realized, both of us realized, we actually have a really great mutual friend. Like one of my best friends is actually a mutual friend of ours. Um, and we started talking and and I just, we, we really hit it off. And then uh, he came to one of our events here at the Learn Center. So we really met in person. And since then I've been just an absolute fan. And like I said, the, the mission was what really spoke to me. I'm a big believer of the fact that everybody needs what he has named and tokened a signature branded talk. So welcome to the Onyx and All Show, Corey Poirier. Corey, what's up, man? Thanks for being here. Amazing. Well, thank you for having me, Onik. And yes, we've gotten to know each other. And I have to say that uh, you just pronounced my name better than me. So I have to start working on that. Yes. All right. I was practicing it. You have no idea. Like, I'm back here, man. You told me how to pronounce it. I I try to respect names because my name is Onik and I am to half the world Anik, Anik. I don't know what all I get, dude. So that's awesome. Good. We're starting off with a huge win. So listen, you've got a logo above you that says Blue Talks. Really funny story. Before this entire episode started, guys, we were jamming for a few minutes and I saw the logo and I'm like, I wonder why he's focusing on Blue Talks. I've been seeing Blue Talks more and more on Facebook. Love the brand. It's a cool name. He misspelled Blue, which I respect because I misspelled Learn. I think that's awesome. And um, But I had no idea that's Corey's brand. <laughs> I had no idea he was the founder of Blue Talks. So I'm like, hey, Corey, what's going on with this Blue Talks thing? I'm seeing it everywhere lately. And he starts talking about it. And he's like, well, we, we, we. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's this we business? And he's like, I'm the founder of it. I'm like, what the heck? 
Like sometimes we forget the reach we have and the influence. Like I forget people in my own network. I'm like, I'm here I am for days. It's been weeks now. I'm like, man, I wonder what this blue talk is. I wonder if I could do a blue talk. Why is everyone talking about blue talk? Turns out in my mastermind, in my phone as a friend and someone scheduled on my own podcast is the founder of blue talk. It's kind of a serendipitous story. So um, I guess we'll start with this. What's a branded signature talk? And then it's like, what's Blue Talks? And then we'll just kind of go from there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Onik. And first of all, I'll say that, so the branded signature talk side of it, to me, when I look at TEDx, as you mentioned, and I mentioned off-air, Mind Valley uh, has an event or two each year, Goalcast, same thing. To me, those are branded signature talks for, the branded side of it is that they built a brand that whenever you hear that name, you associate it with talks and you associate it with talks that are going to be on the stage where their logo is going to be there. So it's kind of a brand versus maybe a one-off event that you go to a conference, but it has a one name this year, next year, it's a different name. So that's the brand part to me. The signature part of it is that it's that one talk. You, If you could only deliver one talk for the rest of your life, what would that talk be? And so that's where the signature comes in. Uh, there's a lot of people obviously that have done multiple TEDx talks, but most top name speakers like a Simon Sinek, a Brene Brown, you know, the top name TEDx talks have one that's a signature one. I mean, in some cases, they finally created a second signature, but there's always that one that's their signature talk that they're known for. And if I go to Simon Sinek, I would I would clearly say that it would start with why, you know, that launched everything for him. And again, it was a signature talk. It's a short talk, less than 18 minutes that he is known for. So to me, that's the combination of those two words together. No, I love that. Um, so signature is almost like someone right now who's listening, thinking to themselves, what is the one message that you want to leave to the world? Right. And I just recently had a baby girl. And so it's kind of like, I could almost ask this question to make it even more intimate, which is like, what is one message I would want to leave her with? Right. One thing I would really want her to internalize in her life. And it's like, that could be your signature talk. Um, something you truly stand for. And then the branded part makes total sense. Um, how did you, so first of all, and then can you tell us what is Blue Talks before we get into your story? Yeah. So, uh, and Blue Talks, and, and I'm sure we'll go in reverse and I'll share with you what the catalyst was for creating this thing. Cause there is a very, there's an origin story, just like the superheroes. There's definitely an origin story, but, uh, as far as what Blue Talks is, the best way I've described it and defined it that people either get a smirk, but they right away visualize it is I've said that if TEDx and Chicken Soup for the Soul got married, went on a honeymoon and had a baby, we'd be the baby that came back. But what I mean by that is that on our stage, it's not abnormal for you to hear somebody talk about the synchronicity that changed their life. Uh, right after that, it could be a person that talked about what they don't teach you in business school. And the person after that could be talking about a life uh, story about their journey uh, through addiction, let's say. So it's not abnormal to see a very wide range. And so Blue Talks as a platform, we're basically providing those epic stages for people to share these messages on. Uh, and at the same time, we also have the uh, podcast. So we have the Blue Talks podcast, which has been around for, uh, I believe, three years now. Pretty, I mean, we launched officially a little over two years ago, but we started this journey three. So the podcast has been around almost that amount of time. The uh, We have a book series, which we're actually putting out book volume eight 
next week, actually. And uh, the first seven, of course, are international bestsellers. Uh, so we have the book series. And then finally, we have a virtual summit stage as well as the live stages. So that's what Blue Talks is. It's multi-platformed. And we always wanted it to be a community and a family. One of the things I struggled with, and Anik, you may or may not have I know most people have written in a compilation or an anthology book series. I've been in multiple. And one of the challenges I face with those is that a lot of people get together, go in this book together. It becomes a bestseller. If that's their goal, they high five, never talk again in their lives. <laughs> and I didn't want that. So we want to create a family feel. So we have a monthly networking call on Zoom where everybody gets together. And uh, so we're trying to create a family and a community that continues growing. And uh, I know we'll dive into the origin, but I'll just finish that by saying, I think we're, I haven't looked recently, but I feel like we're closing in on 500 people in the last two years that have been a part of Blue Talks. That's amazing. I love it. Um, we've, we've many times, my wife and I have talked about doing Learn Talks, which I was sharing with you earlier, which is just, we felt like a pretty kind of a, the way we're going, and especially now that Learn actually coming into 2023 for the consumer side of Learn, we're actually going into a full-blown media company. So we're actually literally going to be a company supported by advertising and events. And so I, now it's all the more relevant where it's like, hey, Learn Talks is probably a great thing to do, uh, which is so funny, right? Because that's why I got intrigued by Blue Talks when I first saw it. I was like, hey, someone else is doing it. It's just, I, I'm still kind of laughing about the fact that it was you this whole time and I've, you know, I've known you. Um, so my wife actually has a license to TEDx. She actually has the Rockville license. We've done a TEDx. Our first TEDx event was 2021. No, 2022. 2022 uh, here at the Learn Center. Um, so that that's something, Corey. We should probably have one here. We should probably do a Blue Talks at the Learn Center one day. That would be awesome. Um, and one of the things that I was so impressed with was just like the stringent policies in place uh, you know, for running a TEDx event, it's, it doesn't just happen miraculously. You know, there, there's a lot of measures in place to make sure whatever topics being presented is good. You had mentioned that you guys are kind of the merger and that you're definitely more heart-based entrepreneurs rush towards Blue Talks. I do want to come back and talk about Blue Talks and the origin story. Let's just first make this about our listener. Um, why do you feel right? I've done a TEDx talk and I will give my experience from that. But why do you feel uh, it's important for everybody? Now, now, is it if I'm not an entrepreneur, if I'm just an employee or an executive in a company, like who is this important for? I guess let me ask that question. So it's a great question. And I, I have to answer it also from the perspective that I've done three TEDx's. So, uh, you know, I want people to be clear that I'm a huge fan of the TEDx approach as well. Uh, I've done, um, we were talking earlier, but I've done a PMX talk, which kind of came around and then disappeared, which was podcast movements version of a TEDx. Uh, I've done a thing called, there's a Mo Mondays organization and I've done multiple Mo Mondays talks. And so I've been around this branded space for a while. And so the question becomes, why would I do these things? What, you know, what was the benefit? What was the reason? So first of all, I would say anybody can and maybe should do a branded talk. And the reason I would think you would want to do it if you never, ever plan to get into business and maybe you're a, uh, an employee at a, a company and that's, you know, your that's your role that like meaning that's what you're happy with that's where you want to stay you don't want the stress of running a business all that kind of stuff uh i would say the reason to do it in that case and i think it's like a it more does it appeal to you if you do it in that case but the reason to do it in that case goes back to you just having a, a daughter me having a two-year-old and a five-year-old 
It's the legacy side of it. So then in that case, for those people, I call it a legacy talk. It's that one talk, that message that's out there that going back to our original point, it's just like book. I think everybody should write a book, even if only their family reads it, so that their their life story, their origin story is there for their family forever and future generations. So that's the same reason I would say to do a legacy or a branded talk. But obviously, I, I'd be remiss not to say that the people that benefit the most from the branded talks are the people that either are consultants, speakers, have their own business, what have you. The interesting thing around that is, and you probably saw this when you were working with TEDx, is they're not really looking for motivational or inspirational speakers. So the irony is, is that a motivational speaker would benefit heavily from a great TEDx talk. I mean, I would say Simon Sinek, even though he's educational and teaches a lot, he's still a motivational speaker. And, you know, he obviously that benefited him greatly. Tony Robbins has done a TEDx talk. I think we can safely say Tony's a, a motivational speaker, even though he wouldn't define himself that way. And um, but yeah, so I mean, they've done TEDx talks. So I think, yes, speakers benefit, but it's interesting. TEDx isn't looking for that. Having said all that, I think the people that benefit the most are the people that have some sort of business. I'll call it a back-end business, but some sort of business that they can leverage this for. And at the same time, uh, you know, the why is the credibility that comes with it. So, for example, uh, when it comes to TEDx, I this is the way I can, best can, way I can describe it for the power of TEDx is whenever I go do a talk and people get my bio, and for whatever reason, somebody sent my bio, let's say a team member sent it and they didn't put TEDx first, what happens is the organizer of the event reverses my bio and the first thing they always say is TEDx. The second thing, interestingly enough to know, is uh, Wall Street Journal USA Today bestselling author. Uh, and now the third thing is becoming Blue Talks. And it'll, I'm, I mean, the goal is obviously to have that to be the first one they want to switch. But my point is, is that they put TEDx first for a reason. And the other side is, uh, what I notice, Onik, is whenever they introduce me, I always, you know, you're always trying to learn from these things. So I look when they're reading my bio, and the minute they look over at me is when they hear multiple time TEDx speaker. So to answer your question as to why, it's really the credibility that you're going to get from this type of a talk. And then the second thing is, whether you're an entrepreneur or a speaker, the credibility of people going to your website and seeing that talk. And then I guess, you know, the third part is whenever people, um, over the years I've studied this because I've helped so many speakers get on stages, that the number one reason people hire speakers in surveys always is saw them live myself. But the number two reason is saw a video of them speaking. Number three is, a friend saw them and recommended them. So seeing their video is even more powerful than the friend saying they're awesome. And then of course it goes down all the way to cold call or whatever that looks like. But my point of that, Onik, is having that video is what's gonna get you either that booking or that next client, that type of thing. So I think you can never go wrong with having that, maybe we wanna call it that sizzle reel. And I think that's another reason for it. So I know I jumped around a bit, but I think the reason to have a brand to talk is the credibility it gets you and also the way that you can leverage it to get more things like get on a podcast. You know, if you go to a big name podcast and they see TEDx speaker, spoke at Harvard, spoke at Columbia, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, your odds, whether we like it or not, increase of getting that podcast. Absolutely. Listen, I'm, I have a podcast. I book guests on my podcast and I can tell you See, here, here uh, there, there was a, I'll go, kind of go back a little bit. So I was talking to a very successful consultant who worked at one of these big, cons I think it was a McKenzie consultant. And they, McKenzie only hires Harvard graduates and yada, 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 yada. And I was, and I'm not a Harvard graduate. I didn't get an MBA and I don't believe in traditional education much. So we're having this healthy argument. And I was like, why, why? Like you're telling me that there aren't brilliant and smart people outside of Harvard or outside of these places that, that, that 
graduate, he said something fascinating to me, which changed my perspective. And he's like, we don't actually care about the degree or what they learned while they were at school. The only reason we like to prefer hiring from these institutions is because of the vetting that the institutions did on our behalf. And I was like, holy crap, right? So their whole mode of thinking is, if you're good enough to get into that school and we know the type of thinking, the type of vetting they do, then they did how far, we know you're, you're smart enough and good enough to be here. And, and so as a podcast host who books people, when I see the big logos, TEDx, this, that, I now for TEDx personally, I've spoken and we hold a license. I know how tedious the process is. So I'm kind of like, hey, probably a pretty, well, first of all, I can go see their, I'll watch their talk for at least three to five minutes because I don't want them to be awkward and dry and, you know, monotonous. And so you're 100% right. The logo tells me, hey, they got vetted. They're pretty good. And then on the outside of it, I can go catch the video real quick on YouTube and see, hey, wow, they're pretty dynamic. I, I feel good about having them on my podcast. So I just wanted to give everyone that like live perspective of like why and what goes through our minds if someone's reading yours and it has these these uh, these logos on it. Because um, a lot of people will be like, oh, it's a vanity logo. Kind of, but not really. Because the fact alone that you were able to book these talks tells a lot about you. And, um, and so, yeah, you're 100% right. So that's why to do a branded talk. I love that. You're like the branded talk gets you the authority, gets eyes towards you. It'll help you close and book things. Um, and then the signature part, is that heart driven? Is that more like getting your message to the world or let's talk a little bit more about the signature part. So for me personally, the signature part of it is the heart driven getting your message to the world. It's again, what would that, what would your legacy message be if you could only leave one? To me, that's what it is personally. But having said that, when we talk about the signature, I'd be, you know, I, I need to also add for some people, their reason for the signature talk is that's the talk they want to deliver for the next 40 years, the exact same way every day. Now that personally, Onik, doesn't appeal to me at all. Like yeah. I, I always look at like the Rolling Stones uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a musician, not to that, not level, obviously, but put CDs out, uh, nominated for Rock Recording of the Year. So I did dabble. And, uh, you know, for me, when every time I did a show, I would change the set list. Just enough, just like one new song or whatever. And I always thought, like, I can't imagine being the Rolling Stones playing Satisfaction 50 years later and people yelling, play Satisfaction. And then when you play the new song, they get up and go to the bathroom or go up for a puff or whatever. <laughs> and I always thought, like, I just can't imagine every night for 50 years. So my point of that is I'm the same way as with speaking. If I'm on my way to deliver a talk for Onik about customer service, chances are I'm going to stop somewhere. At a, at a gas station or restaurant and something horrible or good is going to happen as a customer experience. That is going to make my way into my talk, even though that was never planned the day before. So I'm always, even though I want to say, okay, I'm going to tailor it to this real estate group. I still want to bring in new elements. So it's not boring to me, but it also means if they've seen me before, hopefully it's not boring to them. Now, having said that, what I'm getting at is the signature talk for some people is let's craft this one 45 minute keynote or 15 minute TEDx or what have you, but let's craft this 45 minute keynote. So now I have a talk that I never have to adjust ever again. I'm on autopilot now for the next 30 years. And again, I'm not going to judge that, but for some people that's their signature talk. So maybe it starts with their heart and this is the talk I would share with the world, but I'm sure at some point it changes from that. And now it's just the easy talk to deliver because I know exactly when on cue I'm supposed to start crying. <laughs> you know, 
And can I just say, I've done a TEDx talk and, and uh, I really, really wish someone had just said this to me. I wish someone had just said, hey, Onik, there's it's a brand of signature talk. I love it. It's brand. Great. Check mark. I, I did a TEDx talk because of only the brand. I didn't think even five seconds about signature. Um, now, I love the talk I did. It's all about my perspective on giving back and my perspective on donating and money and all that. But it's not really, I mean, I don't use my talk ever anywhere because it has le- literally nothing to do with my professional career. I mean, it's about my my nonprofit stuff and that's fine. But if I went back and someone had expressed to me the way you have what the signature means, I, my talk would have been on a different topic. And I think it would have gone a lot further for me. I would have used it more and centered it more. Um, and so I want everyone here thinking, it's like, what is that message? What, you know, and combine it with, how could that also help propel what you're doing in your life? If you are a certain type of coach, consultant, if you're trying to attract a certain type of clientele, like what would you speak to them? What is something you would say to them? Like today in my current landscape in life, I'm all about scale. I'm all about working with entrepreneurs. And I've got, I'm all about this time of, I'm all about this reflection on the time you are investing, is it really the right business? Are you really investing your time in the right thing? Because I kind of look back and I'm like, man, the amount of hard work I put in the last 20 years as an entrepreneur, now I realize if you put it here, it gets you this much. If you put it here, it could have gotten you this much if you put it here. So it's like the whole perspective on scale. And and I was thinking about it the other night, I was like, hey, this is literally what I was thinking about, not related to TEDx talk, but I was like, gosh, what is one message I could give to an entrepreneur 20 years ago getting started, like a young entrepreneur. And I'm like, dude, time. Like it's 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 every hour you spend on a webinar or on a podcast or a, like every minute of your time, it's just freaking counts. Like what are you really diving into? What problem are you solving? How valuable is that problem? And um, I was thinking through that. And as I was thinking through it, I was like, that seems, sounds like a talk I could get really excited about, right? Like a TEDx talk or a, or now a blue talk. So what is that message? And that message will bring you the right, that type of person. Cause it's going to speak to someone who's going to then want to come to you and maybe become a client. Is there anything else you do? Are there any exercises you do? If someone comes to you and says, I really want to do a talk, but I don't know what about, what about, like, do, do you run anyone through exercises to help them determine their signature talk? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I won't spend much time on this, but I'll say that we and I, you and I chatted about this, but we certainly have over the years helped a lot of people secure, deliver and leverage their TEDx talk. And I brought that those words that I just told you into the Blue Talk world as well, secure, deliver and leverage, because going back to your point on if I would have known that on my first TEDx talk, I would have done different things. So what I mean by that is a secure part, obviously, that explains itself, landing it. But the, how do you deliver an 18 minute uh, short talk, powerful short talk? And then the, first, the, the hardest part for a lot of people is what do you do with it once it comes out? So, you know, that there's the three levels of that. Uh, so that's, I just want people to know as well that yes, have a lot of experience in how do you land it? But a big part of that is to landing it is to your point, crafting the message. So with TEDx, as you know, I mean, they're all different, the different um, approaches for applying, but usually there's some series of here's the 10 questions we want you to answer as to why yours is the idea we're spreading. And so that outline you create for a lot of people that shows your idea is probably going to be the thing that stands out more than even your background. Like I run into that with a lot of people that want to apply that will say, well, I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that. And I try to explain to them, if your idea is amazing, 
then TEDx is going to care more about that. And that's hard for people to, to swallow because they're focused on a bio and then they just randomly throw out the title of their talk, which isn't sexy at all, not realizing that it's the idea that TEDx is looking for. So to answer your question more directly though, yeah. So what happens is we have people that we work with that are earlier in their journey. And then we have seasoned speakers. Like uh, I'm talking to somebody right now who we're going to ultimately decide by tomorrow if he's going to be on our stage. And um, he was on the Today Show four times this year. You know, so he's very seasoned. Uh, somebody, by the way, in the it, that uh, I I don't know if she's a part of the mastermind, uh, but I met her at your event. Is Chris Colley from Game Changer Publishing, and. Chris is actually going to be both at our, our event we have next month that takes place at Harvard. But then the day before, we're doing a, a closed mastermind uh, at MIT, uh, MIT Museum, actually. And Chris is going to be one of the presenters there. You know, so that and by the way, that started that link started from your event. But my point is somebody like Chris and somebody like this other gentleman wouldn't need any coaching at all on crafting that talk. But part of why I want to do this is I want to create. So this is part of my why and the origin story. I wanted to create this to be the thing that I wish I had when I started. It took me 15 years to get um, like to get on a stage like that, an epic stage or to get uh, any real big media exposure. I mean, I was getting stuff along the way, but it took a long time. And I thought, what if I could leverage my network and community and the work I've done to get people there that much quicker? And so I love working with people that are early on and they're not 100 percent sure. You know, you can tell they have charisma. You can tell they're going to be a good speaker. Uh, but maybe they don't know what idea to bring to us. And so what we do as far as how we get people ready is we have a couple of layers. One is, uh, I'll call it a pre-recorded masterclass. It's five weeks recorded at a number of, yeah, probably two years ago. Uh, it's five weeks of, there's both parts, they're speaking and writing uh, because they go to closely together. The uh, speaking side, it's basically me revealing what it took me 20 years to learn in the trenches watching, I don't know how many speakers at this point. If I've done 3,000 talks, I've probably seen eight to 10,000 speakers. So it's me revealing the high level stuff I wish I would have known. And then the second week is me interviewing Tom Ziegler. I'm sure you're familiar with that name. Uh, asking Tom exactly how his father became the, one of the best presenters of all time. Third week is me talking about writing. Then I asked James Redfield who wrote Celestine Prophecy, 30 million copies sold, how he did that. And then we do a summary. So we give people access to that masterclass. Uh, we also do a group coaching call. We do two of them, in fact, leading up to the event live where we do more speaking coaching and we answer their questions in real time. And then this is the part I don't share often, so I probably shouldn't say it on a podcast that's going to reach a lot of people. Uh, but if people reach out and say, I'm, you know, I'm almost there, but I still need a bit of help, usually we'll get a team member on a call with them. And I say on it, we don't announce this because it's not scalable. And at the same time, if I were going to be charging to get on calls to do that, it's going to be it's going to change the pricing dramatically. So I would rather it if it's that one person that's going to change everything for them and they're early on and we can make the biggest difference. I don't mind us getting on a call with them, but I don't want to advertise it as part of what comes with it because then you know what happens, right? I just told you we had almost 500 people. You can imagine doing 500 hours because every single person gets a coaching call. And it's you know, it's it's real literally impossible. So we just we do it whenever we know somebody needs it. But again, you have more that don't like Chris Colley is not going to need that call. You know, she literally, she's like, you know, what day do I have to be there? This and that. I mean, she just needs to know the details about getting there to deliver. So I say this because, yeah, we, that's the three layers is that there's the pre-recorded, the kind of the self-study, if you want to call it that. There's the live where you can do Q&A, but it's with the group of everybody. Plus you get to meet each other and we tell you all about Blue Talks. And then the third layer that doesn't always happen is if you just need that extra little help. I meant more so is like like so let's say I'm sitting here right now and let's say we're on one of those calls and you're coaching me and I'm like I'm like Corey I, I really want to do a blue talk but God man I have no idea what to talk about 
You know, is there like a certain few questions you ask that seem to trigger people into being like, well, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Because I'm, I'm imagining a lot of people right now are listening and thinking, I don't know. I don't know what my signature talk would be about. Are you saying, hey, figure that out and then go start booking talks? Or is it like, no, there's a here's a three question framework to help you figure out your signature talk? Yeah, so a great question. And where I thought you were going with it, which is why I answered uh, that question was I was thinking you meant how do we get them ready in general? But yeah. as far as the talk itself, uh, so I have a thing called the spider method and I have a thing called the dip, D-I-P method. Now, the spider method, uh, I learned from my days in stand-up comedy. And uh, basically we had a comic come in, do a clinic, shared us this method with us. So I figured, why can't I take this over to speaking? The short version of it is, is there are a few questions that we typically will ask. To, fake, to get a person thinking about, you know, what's that thing that everybody says, you know, this inside note, or what's that thing that you just love doing? So there are some questions, but then the spider method side is the mind mapping, which gets you actually thinking about how you create the talk with content. Um, but the, the center part is we help you figure out what that one central idea is. And then the spider method is we basically build legs from the spider. So like, for example, you could say, okay, I'm going to deliver a customer service talk. Okay. So I know that, um, what do I want them to take away? I want them to know how to deliver a wow. Every time they go into a you know, store or what have you, then what you're going to do with the leg is say, okay, what's the story I can tell that'll reinforce that message. And then what I want them to take away as an action item. So it's, it's basically done out in a piece of paper, 15 minutes. I can craft a talk from scratch that used to take me two weeks minimum to put together. So inside that training I mentioned, we take them through that. The DIP method, D-I-P, I learned it from the media. And then later on, years later, I, I learned it. Uh, I relearned it from Lisa Nichols. She teaches it. She calls it the Valley now. Uh, but the media, and it's, it, you, I mean, you've heard of it, uh, even if you haven't heard the term DIP. But basically what it is, is it's what's that message? Like, what's your muddy middle? Like, what's the messy stuff? that you went through and how did you get back out of it? Teach me that. So it's like the, the reason the media loves it is they like a, a subject line that might say how she went from food stamps to a million dollars a year, for example. So that's your dip. Like your dip is you start, here's your credibility now. And then the dip brings you into, uh, it wasn't always this way. And here's all the challenges I faced. And then here's what I learned that got me out of it is coming back out of your dip. Now, finally, I'm going to teach you. So what we do is we teach people how to craft those dips inside of their talk, how to craft the talk with a spider method, and then how to determine what the talk's about is just like you said, we literally have, uh, it's a, a sheet that has like seven questions on it type thing. And it just kind of helps you isolate what is your, what is the message you should be sharing? Like maybe it's not the message they always think that, hey, this is my message, but what's the message you should be sh sharing? Now it's not foolproof, which is why we still sometimes end up getting on a call, but it gets you there. Like it gets you thinking, the mind mapping gets you thinking about how to structure it. So hopefully that answered the question. Yeah. Do, do you have, like, do you remember, know some of those questions? Like, like I'm almost feeling like I want to go through it right now where I'm like, okay, maybe use me, you know, kind of as a, as, as a case study here. It's like, Hey, I would love to do another. I actually, we really could just use me because I'd love to do another TEDx talk or do a blue talk or speak at Harvard. That's not on my credentials right now. Um, but I genuinely don't immediately know. Like there's people that are just like for you, right? It's like, you know, your thing is, hey, I would do a talk about why you have to do a talk, right? Like that's my thing. That's my message to the world. I'm a little scattered lately. I really am a little bit, um, you know, my message five years ago was very clear, but I don't really feel like that's my signature message right now. So I'm almost wondering if we role play a little bit and then the person watching 
get kind of get to benefit that because they, they're answering the questions on their side. So it's like, do you know some of those questions? What would they be? Maybe we can go through a few of them right now. Yeah. So I, I mean, I can take you through the ones that the biggest one that comes to my mind without looking at it, because as you said, like it's, it's not all front of mind, but uh, the big, so the big one that I do now, some of this, you may already have a handle on and it may not necessarily get you to your signature talk, but for a lot of people it will. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So the, the core one that we really focus on is helping you figure out what your passion is because, and by the way, I have to add to, to me, passion is what you do purpose is why you're doing it. And so it's important to know that because I think there's a distinction. For example, uh, internet marketing might be your passion. For me, a passion might be stand-up comedy, music, what have you, or speaking. Uh, but that's not why I'm doing it. The why I'm doing it is what hopefully changes the world for the better. And so what I'm getting at is I found out the gateway to getting, because a lot of people say, well, I'm tired of people saying, find your passion. The reason I start with passion first is I find it's the gateway to finding your purpose. Because once you start doing something you love, then you start realizing why you're doing it in the first place. So what we do, the first part of what we do is we go through an exercise to help you determine what that area could be. And so these questions are very generalized. It's really uh, what we do is get you to, I mean, you could you could do this in real time, but again, uh, it may not work as well for you because of the fact that you may already know what your calling is. But what we would get somebody to do, as an example, is we would get them to write down on a list. What is, so here's, the, here's some of the questions. What is the thing that you would do if money wasn't an issue. So on a, so many people say, I would go to the beach and never work again. Yeah, okay. Then what would you do after you came back from the beach a month later? <laughs> because most people <laughs> would get bored on the beach. And, yeah. and also the beach isn't for everyone. Like I heard an interview with David Foster one time where he said to Darren Hardy from Success Magazine, why is it that I just can't go to the beach and relax? Like, why can't I enjoy the beach like other people? And Darren said, I think what it is is that your beach is working with Celine Dion and Seal. In other words, that's your thing. That's what you get high off. That's what you get your mojo excited about. So again, first is, what would you do if money wasn't an issue? Um, the next thing is, uh, what did people tell you you're really good at? You know, so what do people say? Oh my God, Onyx so great at this. Uh, the next one is, this is a huge one for a lot of people that they never think about. When somebody, and it didn't happen for everybody, but when somebody in your case, if they pushed you off, when you were on your, you, you know, you're on your trail to go to clown college and they said, that's not practical. You need to go to Stanford at that. Go back to that point when they pushed you off. Like, why did you want to go to clown college? Maybe you didn't want to be a clown. Maybe you want to be an entertainer, but there's something probably there. Mm -hmm. So another thing is when you were a kid, what was that thing you want to do? Uh, I have a client who she told me when she was a kid, she taught her teddy bears accounting and <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, you know, 20 years later, she started an accounting firm that she sold for millions of dollars 15 years after that. So she knew right from then. Uh, you know, another thing is, um, what, what do you, when you do it, what's the thing that you do and time stands still? Like, in other words, you don't watch the clock. Um, and then uh, it goes, so interesting, we talked about one of the questions earlier. So now another one is, so this is going to go to the message, but what's the thing, if you could only do one thing again for the rest of your life, what would that thing be? And so what the, the ultimate situation here, and I mean, again, there's more questions than that, but the ultimate situation just for this, that's just for one question, but all those building questions are to find out what's the thing that gets your mojo working, because chances are, that's a message that you would want to share. And so this is the start of that. But what I'm getting at is like, when I do my list, going back to my, what I was saying, it could be stand up comedy. That's one thing I would do. Uh, playing music, like playing guitar or whatever, writing songs. And then speaking and the speaking maybe wasn't on there when I started, but the other ones would have been. And so wildly enough, 
the clue could have been uh, the speaking clue could have been comedy and playing music in clubs because both involve communication. And interestingly, that's how I get started in speaking, by the way. So I get tricked into performing stand-up one night and uh, I kept performing foolishly because I was bombing. If you know that term in comedy, I was having horrible mm -hmm. shows. And uh, somebody invited me to a uh, Tony Robbins event. And I was in the audience with this person and they said, can you believe he's getting paid to do this? And I said, whoa, record scratch moment. Hold the firm, what? I'm going to a comedy club and paying $10 of gas to get $5 from the door. And this dude's getting paid to do this? I need to know more about that. And that's how I got into speaking. But the truth is I could have found my way in just by the fact that I was already doing stand-up, which is so close to speaking. Uh, if I would have built that list, then if I started doing stand-up, eventually, probably, synchronicity somehow is going to lead me to speaking. And by the way, a lot of comics uh, end up doing corporate comedy because it pays much better than the comedy club does. But having said all that on it, going back to the point of this, exercise is the hope is that you now have six or seven things on that list. Now, obviously, if you've already found your calling, you feel and everything else, then we got to dive deeper. But for a lot of people, this is the start. So if they come to me and say, you know, uh, like if I talk to them, I know they could tell tell a good story. I know they're charismatic. I know they could be on a stage. But if they haven't figured out what their calling is, why they're doing it, because by the way, once you figure out the what you're doing, then hopefully it gets to the why. And when you figure out the why you're doing it, most often that comes around to your signature talk. So, you know, for example, I'll give you an example of my world. I told you uh, some of my why. Well, my why, here's where it started. I mentioned Zig Ziglar earlier. I went to work at a Fortune 500 company. And when I started my, my training at a Fortune 500, 58th largest company in the world, my training from them was, uh, here's a Zig Ziglar VHS video. Go put this in the machine. And by the way, they also gave me 25 cards and told me to write my name in pen. And if I lasted a month, they'd actually pay to print cards for me. Fortune 500 company. So my point is, when that happened, that moment of, and the Zig Ziglar thing changed my life, by the way. I can still tell you a story from that video, which I watched 25 years ago once. That's how powerful his stories were. But that changed everything because I said, I want to make sure nobody else ever has to go through training like this in their life again. That was my why that started it all. And then why I got into doing Blue Talks is because I wanted to make sure that people starting out had some support to build and up-level uh, their exposure and credibility early on. So what I'm getting at is that that would start giving me my signature talk. This is obviously the long route there, but these questions, the hope is that you go through this exercise in a half hour. And, and again, you may not start practicing those things that are on your list, but it's just a mind exercise. So you've probably seen here on it, those three things now with the dip, the spider method, and then starting to ask those questions, that becomes a mind mapping to get your mind going about what do you love? What's the message you'd want to share if it was your last day on earth? What is the thing that you need everybody thinks, I think everybody needs to know that they don't right now. These are some of the other questions that are coming to me now. Um, so that's, that's kind of the exercise we go through with people. No, it's that too. Whew. Everyone go back, rewind. And watch that whole part again, because that was that was powerful. Because honestly, so I know what I'm doing lately, right? Um, I'm very, very, very excited about engaging entrepreneurs who are already having some success, who are already up and running. You're a prime example of someone that I would say I'm excited to engage. And that's very different than maybe five years ago. Five years ago or three years ago or two years ago was very much so like helping people build and start their online businesses. But it wasn't serving some deeper need of mine. And I couldn't figure out what exactly it was, but it wasn't making me excited or happy anymore. And the thing that was really driving me nuts was that there's a lot of people, I call them dreamers. So not in the political sense of how politics uses dreamers, but I call someone who's sitting around thinking, I really want to 
build a business online or I want to build a business, I want to be an entrepreneur. They're a dreamer until they're actually an entrepreneur. And you're actually an entrepreneur, in my opinion, you've got to at least been in business for a year and have done at least $100,000. I think at that point, we got something. You've shown that you're you're officially an entrepreneur in my mind. I just made that up. So, um, so I started saying, you know what? Like a lot of dreamers are just exploratory. They're, they're just they're in research phase. Like I've, how many times have I Googled something? Doesn't mean I want to become a professional in it. I just was curious. And so I'm looking into it and I bought courses about things. I've, I've taken 10 hours of flying lessons. And kind of after that, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be a pilot. Like it's a lot of work and maybe it's not that important to me. But, um, and I feel like that, like, right. Like a lot of people. So for me, I'm like, why isn't this doing it for me? I thought my mission was I want to turn everyone into an entrepreneur. And actually what I'm finding out, Corey, more and more, and listening to you help solidify that even more is my deepest why, the thing that makes me most angry, the thing that I can get into an argument with someone and get deeply like bothered by is our current educational system. Uh, our traditional institution-driven educational system, which I think is absolutely just a waste of time and effort and energy for 95% of people that utilize it. And I've had this feeling for 20 years, but for the last 20 years, my business, I thought I was addressing that because I was like, I'll just turn everyone into entrepreneurs so that they don't need to go through the traditional educational system. But also 20 years of being an entrepreneur, one of the biggest things I've learned is not, you know what? Most people should not be an entrepreneur. That's actually what most people should not do. So my whole theory 20 years ago of everyone should be an entrepreneur is, is actually the exact opposite. It is not true. So now I'm like, well, crap, if that's not how I'm going to solve the problem, I, I innately saw what I started doing this year. It was almost subconsciously. I said, well, I'm going to go find the Corys and I'm going to go find the other people who are out there already doing it and help them magnify their message. So I'm the guy that knows how to scale their message. I'm going to help them magnify their message. And that's actually how I get to compete against the institutional, traditional educational world is if I can teach people who are very good at what, at what they do to then teach it directly to the consumer, that consumer won't need the institution. And I'm in essence giving competition to the institution and giving alternate choices to others. So my why has stayed the same for 20 years. And that is just, I want to give people an alternate path to traditional education because I think there is an alternate path and I want to help create it. But what I'm doing has changed and that's gone to today. So I'll tell you right now, man, by listening to you talk, that's what came through for me was my why has been the same since I graduated college. My why has been the same for 20 years of being in business. But the reason I was not fulfilled was because I didn't, the what no longer fit it. What I was doing was no longer feeding the solution to why. So I abruptly changed all of that. And I bet there's probably a signature talk somewhere in that whole spiel. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, Anik, is you uh, reminded me of one of the other questions that's on that forum, which is what makes you angry? So it's interesting. Sorry. <laughs> It, 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 but that just, you know, it's wild. You just, I mean, cause I'm like, okay, you know, I'm trying to remember all of them because again, it's there's seven or eight. So trying to remember them all. Uh, and especially with that first one where there's so many like sub questions, but um, to your point on one of the talks that I delivered on our stage uh, delivered it uh, on site at Columbia. And uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I'm also big on um, how can you have somebody experience your talk? So just the backstory of it is, I went down to, I'm trying to remember the name of the area in New York, but anyway, I went to the area where when you always go, it's where you can buy the fake Rolexes. 
and what have you. And uh, so I have, so and I, it's funny because I have a Rolex that looks so similar. Like I'm like, it's amazing how well they've done with these. And uh, I was like, I don't want to take mine in case I do it to mine by mistake, thinking it's the fake one. But I bought this fake Rolex and then I opened my talk talking about materialism and how I have to separate myself finally from it and no better place to do this than the university like this. And then I took a hammer out and people saw where I was going with this. And then I smashed the watch and I, you hear the gasps. Like people like, oh, because I, I talked it up saying I bought it used, but it was still like 18,000. Like I really want, I didn't want to make it look like it was a hundred thousand dollar Rolex because then people like, no, oh, this doesn't seem go. I doubt he'd do that or what have you. So I did that talk, uh, but the purpose of the talk. So here's why I did that is once I did that, I basically took off my jacket, my sports coat, and I said, um, how easy was it for me to convince you that was a real Rolex? And the talk is about what I call living the unfiltered life. And so what makes me angry is seeing so many people online running a Facebook ad, showing them in front of a mansion that they don't own, telling you that you should try to strive to get that mansion. Oh, and what we don't see when the camera turns off is the person that really owns the house coming out and say, get off my lawn and stop filming. <laughs> get off my lawn. That like makes that. me angry. So in other words, my and what doesn't make me angry is people teaching somebody how to make seven figures as long as they've made seven figures. Like, don't say, let me show you how I made seven figures when you know in your heart that you didn't. And so that's that's the thing that made me angry. So I started doing this talk called Living the Unfiltered Life, which is really being authentic. And if you've made, to your point, if you if you reach six figures as an entrepreneur, I don't know the percentages, but you're probably in what? I mean, the top 50% of all entrepreneurs are less, maybe top 20. I don't know the number. So couldn't, couldn't you, isn't there a big enough audience for you to teach how to get to six figures versus trying to pretend you're at seven when you're not? So anyway, I, that's a tangent, but that's something I get angry about. And so that became one of my signature talks. I love it. And there's a bunch of kids in my neighborhood that I think need to hear that signature talk because they film rap videos in front of my house. It's really annoying. And so they're filming these fun little rap videos and driving around our neighborhood. And it's, they're, they're great kids, they're cute kids, but I'm just like, Dude, that like you know, you don't own this house. It's my house, and it's in a rap video. So, <laughs> what what is going on here? Um, no, I love that. I, I feel like that old man that runs out and says, "Get off my lawn! <laughs> Get out of here!" Um, wow, really powerful stuff. And I think that here's a side benefit that's coming to my mind for those of those who are listening as to why they really should put this on their bucket list, whether an entrepreneur or not, is. If you said, I don't know what I would talk about, if that was a genuine thought in your heart as we are talking, don't you want to know what your why is? Don't you want to know what you stand for? Don't you want to know what makes you so mad? Don't you want to know what makes you wake up in the morning? Don't you want to know the thing that you want to pass down generations to your kids or to their kids or to your siblings? Like, wouldn't it be cool? to just wake up every morning and just know that. And every single person's got it. I, I don't know a single person that doesn't have a deep passion about something. It could be the craziest, silliest thing, but it's th it's a thing. And so just the little process Corey and I went through and I'm like, it reinstated for me like, hey man, no matter what you're doing and all these businesses you're building, if you find a way to plug them in some way and saying, this is helping experts. And actually that's what's happening. Most of my businesses that I have launched, I have a few different brands getting up and running now. They're all actually targeting experts. And it's like, it's not just to make money, but it's like every step I take, every expert I help, I'm getting one step closer to my dream of providing an alternate credible solution to institutional education. 
And that'll just empower you in a different way. But it'll also give you, empower you to say no to things, right? Where it's like a project comes up or an opportunity comes up and you're like, well, you know what? Uh, no, because I don't feel like that's helping me towards my why. So I kind of feel like just go through the process of learning how to do your signature talks. So you figure out what your signature is and whether you do the talk or not, you already got like 70% of the benefit because you went through the exercise and now you get to go do the talk and make it public. So Corey, we talked, you had a, you had a three part. I wrote this down. I loved it. Secure, deliver, leverage, right? We've talked a lot about the deliver part. We've spent most of our time on the deliver, which I think is powerful. I'd love to spend a few minutes, at least five, 10 minutes on, on secure. Uh, let me give you my story. So why did I even do a TEDx talk? It's really funny. I never paid attention to it. I never innately believed, and this is crazy to think because I did my talk seven years ago, and by then I still had a pretty big audience, and I had a bit of a brand online, and I didn't believe I could get one. That's why I never tried. I just did not believe I could actually get a TEDx talk. One, my wife was went through this period for like six to 12 months where she was binge watching TEDx talks. Like it was like the app was on our Apple TV and it was on all the time. Then obviously she went on get her license to host a TEDx, but she just looked at me one day and she's like, my dream for you is for you to do a TEDx talk. And I was like, really? And she's, she's very shy, so she would never go on stage and do a talk or any of that stuff. She's like, my dream for you is I want to see you on this app. And I'm like, well, now, now I have to do it because now like you're my wife just said, you know, she dreams of me to do this. So I reached out. So I went to Facebook and I made a post and I said, looking to do a TEDx talk, know anyone that can help. That's it. By the way, everyone, Facebook's like one of my ultimate resources for everything. Like I, people connect me to everyone. And I got, long story short, get connected to a guy named Jeremy Bellotti, who if anyone's watching this podcast for a long time, you know Jeremy. He came on to work with Learn. He was one of my top guys here for a long time. And Jeremy used to have a Facebook group and he had a service where you could, you know, get his guidance and consultation. And I did. I paid for it. And I got a TEDx talk. I had to fly all the way to Luxembourg for my talk. I mean... I didn't even know there was such a place as something called, called Wilts. I didn't know it exists. I didn't know Luxembourg exists, but I did it. And I went and got my talk and I did my talk. But I mean, a lot of people that are listening won't have the Facebook network I have, won't have the ability to pay a consultant like I had, and probably don't want to travel to Wilt in Luxembourg to do a talk. So my question to you, Corey, other than hiring you, which obviously people will learn how to do in the future uh, of this podcast episode, how do people secure talks? So it's it's a great question. And one thing I wanted to highlight that you just pointed out, Onik, um, is the fact that where this is the wild part of a TEDx. It's gotten to be such a global brand that it doesn't matter where your TEDx was delivered. As long as you say I'm a TEDx speaker, it doesn't matter if it was TEDx uh, Tuckneyuktuk or if it was TEDx, uh, TEDx New York. It doesn't matter. It's uh, here's the interesting part. First of all, it doesn't matter because uh, most people never ask you where it was at. They just want to know you're a TEDx speaker. But secondly, even when we look, because we've studied this, even when you look at where the viral TEDx come from, there's no like, this is the formula. There's no like, okay, it has to be a TEDx New York. Uh, if you look at Simon Sinek, I mentioned it earlier, his start with why video. It's like, I don't even know where it's at, but it's like in this, it looks like it's in a school. It's filming, like his head's cut off. It's got like an easel that he's writing on and that's all you see. And and like the quality looks bad is the best way I can say that. And yet that talk is the third, I think most viewed of all time. So there's no, I, I want to say there's no 
specific formula. What you can do, uh, and, and I'll talk about the, the securing it, but what you can do, we've done this type of thing, is I had a student who uh, was wanted to talk about divorce. And so I'll give you an example. This is a, this is actually will tell you how you can land a TEDx talk. Um, but she wanted to do a talk about uh, divorce. And our question was, is it overdone? Because we thought divorce is so common, like we're going to search and it's going to be like a thousand TEDx talks. And so that was our first thing. And secondly, we wanted to know, is it popular? So what we, this is a while back, but we did our search. There was only nine talks we could find when we searched divorce. Eight of them had over 300,000 views. Wow. So in other words, it's not many people have done it and it's popular. But what she did, and this is the thing we did differently is we basically figured out what is her take on divorce that's unique from anybody else. So long story short, we came up with the talk title, which will tell you probably most of what you need to know about her talk is uh, surviving my forbidden divorce. Wow. And so she comes from a culture where divorce is forbidden, basically, but she was in a really bad marriage. And even her parents, just because of uh, basically conditioning, wanted her to stay in it. Now, she did get out of it. She, you know, made peace with her parents, but the whole thing was she wanted to teach and show the Western world what actually happens in a culture where divorce is forbidden. And so what I'm getting at is that's an idea that not many people are going to bring to the stage. Uh, another student we had uh, her talk, I forget the name she had, but it was really long. So this one thing I'm telling you is you come up with a really clever title that supports a really clever idea. And so um, her idea I forget how like the title was really long. So I told her to come inside our Facebook group and start pitching it around and let's get everybody like, and I know you love this kind of stuff, but let's get everybody's feedback to try to change your title. Ultimately, what we got her title down to was from stuttering to, sorry, yeah, from stuttering to standing ovations. And what it was, she had a stutter when she was younger and now she's a speaker, a paid speaker. But she finally shortened it just to stuttering to standing ovations. So she didn't even need the from, but the key thing is she had a pithy title that was short, but also the idea behind it again is uh, there's not, I mean, what I don't know what the percentage of people in the world that had a stutter for many years, but it's, I don't think it's a massive number compared to the population. So again, it's a unique talk. Uh, so first thing I would, what's your idea that's unique enough uh, that can change the world? Secondly, around that idea, when I've asked organizers what they look for in a good TEDx talk, this is kind of what I got in a summation. And it sounds weird. It's an enigma. I call it an enigma within a riddle. But basically, they said an idea, uh, a new take on an old idea that's shared in a way uh, that we can understand it, but shared in a way it's never been shared before. Mm. Like, if you dig into that, there's a lot of you can take from that. But essentially, it's it's like they want an idea that's comfortable, but they want a new take on it that they've never heard before. And at the same time, they want to understand it in a very simple way. So that's, first of all, having a powerful idea trumps everything else. But secondly, if we go into the logistics, and I'll just tell you one strategy that kind of sums up what I'm getting at, is if you want to get into the deep part, and like you hired somebody, the benefit of that person is they probably know the thinking behind the TEDx approach. You, you now know it because of licensing it. But an example is you'll see a question on a TEDx application that says, how comfortable are you delivering this talk and how many times have you delivered it? So any speaker in the right mind would think, okay, they want to know I'm comfortable. So I better tell them I deliver it every week. But as you know, with TEDx, they want the new idea. So yeah. I talked to one organizer who told me that question, 99% of the people get disqualified from that question. They have 2000 applications. So your odds go up to what percentage of the, is that just by uh, actually answering the question in the right way. But you have to know how to answer it. And most people don't. And then the other part I would say is, and there's a there's a trick in here. There's a bunch of things that we teach on hacks. But even if you just understand this, it'll change everything. You need to figure out who the organizers are. 
of the tax you want to apply for, and you need to get on their radar so that they know you. So what happens is, let's say 2,000 applications, uh, let's say 1,950 or 1,975, they don't know that person from a hole in the ground. It just comes across the desk. So you can imagine at those big events, five organizers trying to sift through 2,000. Eventually, they all run together. But what if Onyx found a way to get on their radar so that when your application comes in, five out of those six organizers say, I know this guy. I see this stuff he shares all the time. I love it. Your odds, those two things I just told you, your odds go up from less than 1%, and I'll back that up, by the way, less than 1% of landing a TEDx to up to maybe 40, 50% just by those two things. So when I say less than 1%, um, if you go to the big TEDx events, it's not abnormal to have thousands of applications, say 2,000. They only book 10 people. So that puts your number, your odds at less than 1% if everything else is equal and you don't know somebody. Um, you're, you only get as high as about 10% because they're, and here's another, by the way, here's another hack. Go to a smaller TEDx event. The tiny ones sometimes only have 80 or 100 applications. So if you go to one of them, then your odds are 10%. But if you think about that, if everything's equal, your odds are only 10% even when you go to the small one. So you need to figure out these hacks. And one of the biggest ones is to get on their radar to know exactly what they're looking for. And another one is understand what they're looking for so you can answer those questions right. Yeah, no, we we did our we did our first TEDx event and um, we had never done one. So TEDx Rockville was the first one. And it was interesting sourcing the speakers because we had to go out to find them, right? And um, got some amazing speakers but it was a pretty time consuming part of it. And uh, we haven't even announced when the 2023 one is, we did get the renewed license, so that was awesome. But um, it, we ha my wife is inundated with people reaching to her. And so one little suggestion I will give is, if you wanna speak at someone's event, reach out to them proactively um, as part of getting on their radar. But if you just do the submission process, um, not saying you won't get looked at, but I'm just kind of observing my wife as she's reviewing and we haven't made any decisions. And when I say we, I mean her, cause I'm not allowed to have any involvement in this. And I respect TEDx's request, unofficial request of that. Um, TEDx doesn't want to get themselves associated with a business, right? They know me as the business guy. So it's, it's really my wife's run. Um, and it's funny cause she did her first TEDx event and she asked me not to speak at it. So I was like, well, that kind of hurts, but okay. Uh, she wanted to use our facility. I did pay for all of it. Um, and uh, then she asked me to emcee it. And I'm like, so I'm doing all the hard stuff, paying the bills, but I can't be anywhere publicly acknowledged with it. And she's like, yes. I'm like, all right, do it for you. But um, I'm watching her just from a distance as she's reviewing the next speakers. Those who are reaching out and are getting in front of her proactively are innately as human nature getting more attention. That's just the way it's working. Now, please, that does not invite you to start blasting my wife with emails and she will kill me if you do that. So like, don't. Um, the, the easiest thing I'll tell you is one of the rules that TEDx has put together, which I actually really like, um, is they're getting a lot more serious about local events doing local speakers. So they're watching the ratios now. So if we fill up TEDx Rockwell, just all international speakers or all people all over the country, they don't like it. Uh, you can maybe one, two max. So there you go. Please don't message my wife unless you live in Rockwell, Maryland. Um, but that, it, fascinating stuff, man. We could, I feel like we could, whew, all right. There's so much we could go through. I think we have proven to people, and I think you walked me through an exercise that everyone got a chance to watch. You saw my eyes go, holy moly. I want everyone to experience that. Go back, listen to this episode again, but please find your signature. 
you know, find it. If even if you don't do a talk, it's important you know your signature, and then you'll want to do a talk, and then find the branded place to do that talk, and it's going to change a lot of what contribution you bring to the world, right? It could mean a lot to you too, but it's definitely going to bring contribution to the world. Um, Corey, if someone decides they really want to work with you, your organization, your team, um, and they want you guys to shepherd them through this whole process, including booking the talks, designing the talk, and where do they go? What do they do? Please tell them. So Onik, uh, I'm, so I'm glad you asked this and, and I'll add in if they want to see if they might qualify for a blue talk. Um, this is probably the process as well. And, and I will tell you one of the things I make clear all the time, because sometimes there can be a confusion. We run it at a lot of epic places, our blue talks, but we're never, of course, affiliated with that. Like, meaning I never want to look like they're the ones running the event. And of course it's, it's, it's like you said, there's rules, right? So I need to make sure people are clear with that, but I will tell you our blue talks events have run at and are scheduled to run at places like Oxford, Cambridge, Columbia, uh, Stanford, Harvard. And so we are going to prestigious places. So if you want to see if you qualify for something like that, or even just have that conversation, here's what I've done. I've actually set up a unique domain literally today for this interview. I may use it in the future, but I've set it up for today. Uh, and I don't even know if it's a really good one. I just literally said, I'm going to put something up. And the reason I'm doing this is it actually redirects to my Calendly link. And I just didn't want to come on here on it and say, the Calendly link is calendly.com slash. <laughs> I've had people so, do that, by the way. That, by it's, the absurd. Way. it's absurd. <laughs> well, and yeah, and I just know people aren't going to sit there and write all that down and, and stuff like that. So here's the easy way, um, even though it's spelled wrong, like with learn. Uh, but what I set up was speakonblue.com. Oh, I like that. So speak on blue without the E for the blue. So speak on blue.com. And if you go there, uh, it'll give you access to the calendar, schedule a call. And, and we're definitely one of those groups where if it's not a good fit for you, it's not a good fit for you, but it never hurts to explore it. And of course, it also gives us an opportunity to see who's a good fit, because even though you mentioned there's all your wife is inundated, we are as well at times in terms of people wanting to get on the stage. But we'll always, like yourself, probably like in your business, like your wife in TEDx, we'll always still try to find that that diamond in the rough, that speaker yeah. that's going to change everything. So we're still always looking. Love it. All right. Epic, epic, epic. Thank you so much, Corey, for being on here. And um, I just I really hope people go and they find their signature for for nothing else other than just to know what it is. Guys, go to Speak on Blue. B-L-U, no E at the end, speakonblue.com. We'll put the uh, URL in our show notes. We'll put it below in the description. And make sure, of course, you subscribe to this podcast. Tell everybody about it. The Onyx and Gall Show bringing you a different variety of episodes now with a different different level of in-depth uh, knowledge. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed this. Corey, thank you for being one of our first guests on The Onyx and Gall Show. Guys, go ahead and hit subscribe. Leave a comment. Click like, do all that jazz. And if you're listening to us on any of the audio podcast episode uh, platforms, please make sure you leave uh, a great review for us and hit subscribe. Thank you so much. And as I always say, and we'll continue saying, even on the Onyx and All Show, when life pushes you, stand straight, smile, and push it the heck back, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye.